I'm going to invite uh, Jasmine up to come and do the reading. Um, we're finishing our series in 1 Peter this evening. Um, so uh, please make your way there in your Red Church Bibles. Um, and the reading is from 1 Peter chapter 5 and from verse 6. Uh, it's page 1,220 on the Red Church Bibles, if you're not already there. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you out to his eternal glory in Christ, after you had suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is a true true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let me just pray for Dan as he comes to speak to us. Loving God and Heavenly Father, Thank you for this opportunity we have this evening uh, to gather around your words. Thank you for the time that Dan has spent in this passage this week, working out what you want to say through him this evening. Lord, I pray that you would use Dan now, that you'd speak through him. Please open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say to us this evening. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks, James. Well, do keep that uh, passage open in front of you to go through it together, but uh, I don't know whether you've seen those lovely signs that you often get in garden centres, you know the ones that are really lovely, Uh, you know, live, laugh, uh, love, Uh, you know, all those signs that, you know, are are there to encourage you, I I love these signs, you know, you wake up and you go down, you can see something hanging up in your wall in the morning which says, you know, something like, seize the day, or, uh, you know, uh, you have to climb the mountain to see the view. Uh, you know, just just signs that motivate you for the day. Um, but in all seriousness, the reality of each new day really probably would be better summed up uh, in this sign. Uh, good morning, let the stress begin. I mean, forget seize the day. I mean, this feels like the reality every day, doesn't it? Another day... Another day of stress, another day of worry, another day of trials and problems to face, to overcome. And you can feel like you barely get out of bed some days and you're already hit with this stress and anxiety of life. You know, you wake up and you turn over to your phone and, and there it hits you with the news alert. You know, some tragedy that's happened overnight somewhere in the world. Or that message that you get from someone that you really didn't want to get. Or those emails that start building up on your phone from work. And then you begin thinking about all that's going to happen during the day. Stressed about work. Stressed about meeting the people at work. 
stressed about school, stressed about the homework that you haven't done today, stressed about exams, stressed about how you're logistically going to fit in everything you have to do in the space of today, stressed about having so much to stress about. Let's be honest, life can feel like one big struggle at times. So many stresses, so many worries, so many trials. And yet being a Christian, it can almost feel like there's this other layer that's on top of the everyday stresses that we we face. You know, it's not easy standing out from the crowd. It's not easy being teased or mocked for believing in Jesus. It's hard when doubts and questions start to creep in. And you know, it's hard because as we'll see tonight, Christians have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, the devil. And that brings trials, it brings struggles, it brings stresses of a whole different kind. The trial of constant temptation, the allure that Satan brings of sin. Sin that the Bible says, so easily entangles a sin that aims us to go off track, to see Jesus as less precious, less valuable, and Satan puts things in our path that he wants us to see as more valuable, more precious in our sights. And so when you look at everything in life that we generally go through and what we spiritually go through when following Jesus, it's hard. It is hard Good morning, let the stress begin. But you know, Peter, right at the end of this letter that we've been going through, you know, he wants the Christians that he's been writing to, who we know are going through a tough time, a really tough time for following Jesus, he wants them to stand firm. That's the theme tonight. Standing firm in the midst of all of the trials of life that come our way. And the way that Peter shows us how we do that, how we can stand firm in the midst of everything we have to go through in life, is by changing our mindset, changing our focus, changing our perspective. As we go through this evening, there are three points as we go through. The first one is standing firm in anxiety. Standing firm in anxiety. You see, Peter starts off, By following on from what we saw last week, he says, verse 6, look with me, humble yourselves. And last week we saw that Peter, he was writing to uh, leaders in the church, elders, uh, saying that their leadership style is to be one of humility. Verse 2 of chapter 5, eager to serve, it says, not lording it over those entrusted to you. But we also saw that this attitude of humility is not something that just leaders are to have, but all of God's people. Verse 5 says we humble ourselves by coming under church leaders. We clothe ourselves with humility to one another. And Paul, right at the start of our passage, says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hands. Ultimately, this humble mindset leads us to coming under God's mighty hand. And Peter tells us to do that. And as Peter tells us to do that, his encouragement is what we see in verse 7. Cast all your anxiety 
on him because he cares for you. Peter's call to place ourselves under the mighty hand of God is a call to cast all our anxiety on him, to cast our deepest fears, to cast our everyday worries upon God. Do you know, Peter knows that life brings anxiety. It brings worries. And you know, for some of us this evening, that might be a bigger struggle than for others. But notice that it doesn't say, you will never be anxious. Notice it doesn't say, you will never struggle with fear. But rather, Peter says, when anxiety and fear strike, do something. Cast them upon God. You know, someone helpfully illustrated it by saying, when you're driving on the road and you're driving and mud splashes on the windscreen and you can't see out and you begin worrying by swerving all over the road, well, that's the time you flick the windscreen wipers on. You do something. Because Peter's method for dealing with anxiety is proactive, not passive. He says, cast them, literally throw them upon God. And do you know, Peter, well, he might know a thing of, might know a thing or two about casting, being a fisherman. He knows what it looks like to launch something into the distance. He says, give your anxiety to God. Put it on him. And you know, I think Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 shows us how we can do that. Paul says in his letter elsewhere in the New Testament, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. To cast our anxiety on him is surely a call to pray, isn't it? We cry out to God, this is the burden of my heart. This is the fear that is crippling me. And you know, isn't it cool just to reflect on who the him is in verse 7? Cast your anxiety on him. Who is the him? The him is God. Do you know, I've been reflecting on this. Do you know, we don't bring our anxieties and our worries to someone who is powerless to do anything about it. We don't bring our anxieties and our worries to someone who doesn't know our situation. Rather, someone who knows the situation better than we do ourselves. Peter is telling us to cast our anxieties onto the God of the universe, upon the God who knows every part of our situation we face, before we cry out to him in prayer. The God that knew what we were going to face before we faced it ourselves. The God who controls every atom, every particle in this universe that he's made. That is the one that I am to cast my anxiety on. Cast my worries on. And do you know the best part about it? Do you know what Peter says about this God, this almighty, this awesome God, he tells us to cast our anxiety onto. He tells us to do it because he says, because he cares for you. How amazing is that? He cares for you. He loves you. He cares 
about what you're going through. He cares about your deepest fears. He cares about your daily stresses. God cares and he wants us to cast our burdens and our fears upon him. As someone once said, God is not scared of what you are scared about. You know, I was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and I came across a quote from someone called Judah Smith. And he said, our anxiety does not come from thinking about the future, but from wanting to control it. Imagine the relief that comes with giving control of our fears and anxiety to Jesus. And that's what Peter is saying here in the last part of his letter. Know the relief of casting your anxiety upon the one that not only knows the future, but the one that controls it. And there's a song that some of you might know called um, Because He Lives. It is the most beautiful song. And in the chorus... In the chorus, it says of this song, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Do you know, as we shift our focus to Jesus... In our anxiety, we remind ourselves of the one who has triumphed over death. The one who controls the future. The one who rules and reigns. The one who, Peter says, cares for us and longs for us to bring our cares to him, to change our focus. And you know, I know that anxiety, it's not something that is easy to shrug off as maybe it sounds like. But it's a change of focus, isn't it? It is looking to him. Him. The one who knows, the one who sees, the one who controls all things. And to cast them upon him because it says he cares for you. Standing firm in anxiety. Secondly, this evening, standing firm against the devil. You see, having spoken about how to stand firm mentally with anxiety, Peter goes on to show the need we need to stand firm spiritually as well. Because what Peter does is he pulls back the curtain to show us this spiritual reality that is there, this spiritual force with the devil and with his demons. And he says it's real. And not only it's real, but it's active. Look at verse 8 with me. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, we don't often talk about this spiritual reality, do we? Dare I say, maybe at times it's hard to believe that there is this spiritual reality, that there is the devil prowling around looking for someone to devour. But Peter reminds us, this is the great unseen reality. This is the great battle that followers of Jesus have to face. And you know, in this short section, Peter gives a command, and then he gives a promise. The command we see is verse 9. Look with me. It says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It's a picture of being on a front line of the battle, resisting the enemy's attacks, standing firm in the face, standing your ground, not being moved by what the enemy does. 
And do you know, so often I am not alert to the battle that I'm in, whether I like it or not. Because, you know, just like a real lion, the devil isn't going to wait until its target's at its strongest or most alert or when they're fresh off a morning devotion having spent the whole morning in Philippians. No, it's probably going to be at the time that we're at our weakest, isn't it? Our most vulnerable. And, you know, I find myself the most vulnerable when when I haven't come under God's mighty hand in prayer, in his word. Do you know, I feel like at that point that I'm on the front line of a battle in flip-flops and shorts. I'm totally exposed and open to attack. And Peter urges his readers, be prepared, stand firm, be alert for this spiritual reality, prepared for this battle, this daily battle that you will face. And yet in light of this warning of the spiritual enemy that prowls around, Peter goes on to give that promise. And we see that in verse 10, look with me. He says, And the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, Peter knows again that Life here on earth for Christians, it is not going to be easy with the anxieties that we face, the struggles, the enemy that seeks to devour, the suffering that comes from maybe following Jesus. It's hard. But Peter, again, he shifts our focus. He wants us to change our perspective. He reminds these Christians, the God of all grace, who called you to his Eternal glory in Christ. Eternal glory is coming to those who follow Jesus. And then Peter gives this kind of comparison. He says, after you've suffered a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Again, eternal. Amen. Do we see the contrast Peter is trying to show? He says, yes, life is hard. It's a struggle. It's a stress. It's hard being a Christian in this world. But it's for a little while. Do not forget about the eternal glory to come. You know, I've used this illustration before. I don't care. I like it. It's helpful. But do you know, he says, he gets our perspective in mind. He says, after you suffered a little while, And you know, life here, isn't it? The life we live here on earth, it's like the thread, you can't even see it, at the end of this rope. And yet Peter says, eternal glory is coming. The whole rest of the rope. Don't forget about it. Let that be your focus. It doesn't even compare. Present sufferings, future glory. Paul in Romans 8 verse 18, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the future glory that is to be revealed in us. And you know, Peter, he's talking, isn't he? The context behind him saying this is in light of this spiritual battle that we face with the devil. And you might have heard that famous quote, you know, when it says, when he reminds you of your past, you remind him 
of his future. But you know, Peter in this promise in verse 10, he would also say, remind yourself of your future as well. You know, the devil wants to make it seem and focus all of our attention on the now, on the little bit, to make us think that later isn't coming, that glory isn't coming, that Jesus isn't coming. And therefore, he makes us think that the Christian life isn't worth sticking at. But Peter reminds us of the promise that Christ makes of eternal, never-ending glory with him for all who follow him. Standing firm against the devil. And finally this evening, standing firm till the end, verses 12 to 14. You see, in this final paragraph of the the whole letter, actually, in Peter, Peter gives us the reason for why he's taken the time to write to these Christians. He says, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Do you know, it's been a theme, hasn't it, running through tonight, but that's the theme running through the whole of Peter. Peter wants more than anything for these weary, these suffering, these anxious, outcasted Christians to stand firm. To stand firm in what he's written to them. And you know, when we look back at the letter that we've gone through on our Sunday evenings, what is it that Peter has reminded and encouraged these Christians about? Do you know, if you look back at chapter 1, verse 3, Peter starts it off. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And then further on in the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says again, But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What an amazing identity, Peter says, you have. What an amazing future you have. And yet throughout 1 Peter, we've also seen this theme of suffering for being a Christian. Peter again encourages us, he says in chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And you know, ultimately that's what we've seen this evening. Despite the trial... Glory is coming. And suffering, whilst often so painful, is only temporary. Because what Peter encourages those Christians then, and us here this evening, is that this is the true grace of God. This is not fairy tales this evening. This is not made up. This is the true grace of God. Peter himself was an eyewitness He says, this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Don't move from your hope that you have in Jesus. Don't walk away under the pressure. Don't keep your eyes focused on the now, but rather stand firm 
in what Jesus has done for you, your identity in him and the glory that is coming. Stand firm till the end. Do you know whether we've been walking with Jesus for many years now? What's Peter's encouragement as we finish his letter? Well, don't stop now. Keep going. Be alert, sober-minded. Keep standing firm. And you know, if we've this evening we've just begun living the Christian life. Well, Peter shows us that this road is hard. This road is hard, and this road at times seems very long. But stand fast in this true grace that we've seen in this letter. And see Peter's perspective, which focuses not on the now, but on what's to come. Peter says, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. This is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Well, we're going to take some time to discuss around our tables, and there's hopefully going to be some questions. Oh, there they are. I'm going to read them out. It says, question one, in what ways can we become more alert for the spiritual battle that we're in? Question number two, practically, how can we cast our anxiety on him, verse seven? Why is this such a comfort? And then question number three, as it's the end of our 1 Peter series, how does Peter's letter as a whole encourage us to stand firm till the end? Hopefully there's some questions that uh, guide discussion, but, you know, off topic's great as well. Um, So do that, and then James will come and lead the rest of our evening together. So why don't we take the time to uh, have a bit of discussion around our tables?